the Rick and Joe NFL Draft Show, powered by NFLDraftScout.com. Back, 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 back at it again. It's the morning after 2019 NFL Draft Reaction Show. We're going to recap all the picks made on Thursday night. We're going to preview what day two has in store. If you've come here for some venting, if you've come here for some bragging, if you've come here to pound your chest, well then, guess what? We mean it in jest. You're in the right place. RIC in a place to be. Rick Saratella breaking it down. I'm so excited and pumped up. We got podcasts all day, all week. Oh, my God. Somebody, please, try and stop the madness. But we won't stop. We can't stop. And we appreciate you tuning in for another jam-packed edition. Of course, the 2019 NFL Draft Bible, if you haven't gotten it by now, then you're definitely sleeping on the process. NFLDraftScout.com. Download the link, 2019 Draft Guide. You can still get it in time for days two and day three. Uh, if you've been tuning into the shows all week, we've been having various members of the NFL Draft Bible Familia, from Chris Shanafelt to Bo Marchant, of course, Joe Everts joining us here again today, and Justin Gamble will be on with us for the first time in a long time, too long, in fact, uh, to break down all the news, all the actions, and all the red flag madness, so let's get it started. Uh, you know, we've got the uh, switchboards rocking and rolling now. Blog Talk Radio wants to jam me up, so we'll get Joe and Justin in in a second here once the switchboard stops acting a fool. Um, but, no, you know, I did not sleep last night. I cranked out uh, all of my draft analysis. It should be up on NFLDraftScout.com if it's not already. I have a day two mock draft also that should be out. If not, it will be soon. Uh, the best available players for day two, of course, this podcast. So we're banging you and bopping you with everything you need to get ready for day two. Let's welcome him back for another edition. Uh, Joe Everett, college football scouting, never leaving a stone unturned. Of course, you can follow him at Joe W. Everett. Joe well, we, we got we got round one in the books. Uh, that, that was an interesting one, I'll say that. Uh, as a Giants fan, I'm I'm, I'm dying to know uh, what, what do you think of your new quarterback? <laughs> well, you know, listen, I I have not stopped receiving texts and emails, and uh, you know that's been the majority of my day. My the majority of my morning has been consoling the Giants faithful, and boy, oh boy, what a disaster! What a mess! David Gettleman has left, uh, you know, first off, and, and, and we'll get into more during the show, but just let this, let this just marinate on your mind a minute. First of all, he brought in bad coaches, coaches that didn't fit the talent. Instead of, instead of coaching around the talent and, and creating a system that works for the talent on board, they traded their talent. Then they bypassed the quarterbacks that they should have taken, then they took a messy quarterback situation uh, last night, and then the other two picks I was not a fan of either. I know it's the first time in history they had three first-round picks, but quantity doesn't always equal quality. We'll talk about it. We'll be about it. But let me introduce Justin Gamble because he has not been on in a while, and I know he's got some things to get off his chest as well. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at Gamscout. does a wonderful job uh, scouting throughout the season. And he is on the hotline right now. So, Justin, welcome into the show. It's been too long, brother. 
Boy, it's been way too long. I don't know if I know how to do this anymore. Well, we're going to figure it out, and we're going to get to the bottom <laughs> of it. And since uh, since I've already riffraffed the uh, the Giants, let's um, let's start there. And uh, Justin, since you know we've, it's been too long since we've spoken to you, let's start off with you. To me, uh, you know, I was shocked, but I wasn't when the announcement of Daniel Jones was made. And then at seventeen, I thought for sure. Uh, needing a pass rusher, needing offensive line. I thought it was a no-brainer. I thought the Giants would be ecstatic to get Montez Sweat at six. So when he and both Andre Dillard were available at 17, the fact they took Dexter Lawrence was another head-scratcher, and then they trade back into the end of the first round when I don't believe any cornerbacks had been taken yet, and they take DeAndre Baker, who comes with questionable work ethic, and we saw how that played out with the whole Eli Apple situation. I'm shocked they didn't do their homework on this kid from the coaches that I spoke to. Uh, they're obviously not investigating like we are. Your thoughts, Justin? You got your hands full consoling those Giants fans, buddy, because, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not even a Giants fan, and I'm, I'm sad for what that organization is doing to their fans and to their – I mean, to the whole roster. It is. It's uh, a shame. Yeah. I, I thought for sure – I mean, I kind of had we we heard the we heard the rumors of Daniel Jones being the Giants guy. So when they, you know, called his name early, I don't think that really shocked me. It's kind of I thought it was a reach, obviously, but I don't know if that shocked me. But when when they what was it at seventeen, I, I thought for sure it was going to be Sweat or Dillard too. You know, those are two big needs on their team, and there's two star players. Um, and they called Dexter Lawrence, which I mean, it makes sense if you want to stop the. They, you know they're prioritizing stopping the run game, stopping Zeke in that in that division, which I understand. But I think they could have done better, like you said, with Sweat getting that star pass rusher with the elite traits and the elite tools, or Andre Dillard, who's easily the best pass protector in this draft. And they do neither. And then they trade back in, like you said, with every single cornerback on the board, and they get a guy who is a little smaller than the way he plays. I think he's feisty and. You know, he's a man-to-man corner, but he's small. And he kind of bombed the pre-draft process and all those rumors, not even rumors, all the things about him not training hard and not showing up to combine training, whatnot. That's the first corner you take in the entire draft. And not even that, even if you don't take a corner, wait till round two to take a corner and take another. I'm as confused as anybody on what Gettleman's doing. And I don't think with three picks, you should come away saying this team won the draft. And I think they absolutely bombed the draft day one. No, it makes zero sense, and I want to try to find a way to make sense of it, and I want to try to find a way to like it. And the Giants obviously have, have been wonderful to me throughout the years with all their access, but I just I can't get on board with this one, Joey. No, I'm, I'm not feeling it either, uh, especially how high you take Jones. Uh, maybe there was a team between then and 17, but that's why you trade down just where you think you can get them. I, I don't uh, – even past that, though, yeah, the Baker one really perplexes me, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun on biggest surprises, but, boy, the whispers on Greedy Williams' slide were real. And I, I guess, like, DeAndre Baker must have had a, a better interview than, than Williams did. <laughs> That's what this is telling us, because, like, uh, I think he's got better footage than Baker. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the choice they make there. I like, of the three picks, I like Dexter Lawrence the best. 
because uh, that, that one actually fits Gettleman's M.O. the most. But, yeah, Baker's a head-scratcher, and taking Jones, um, I, I will have to say, though, at least this does kind of make sense with, once again, the things we're reading, what we're hearing. It's like, no, the NFL really likes Jones. Well, there's definitely one team that really, really like, or one guy, and that's Dave Gettleman. Yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting because, you know <laughs> apparently he didn't see a first round quarterback last year when they had an opportunity because he said we'll only take a quarterback if there's a franchise quarterback available. So he must have had a higher grade on Daniel Jones than he did on Sam Bradford and the rest of the guys last year. So very interesting, um very unfortunate in a way. It's just hard for me to fathom when your offensive line has literally been a turnstile the last four or five seasons, Eli Manning's played 15 years. He's never been sacked more than he has a season ago. And then Lorenzo Carter is your best pass rusher, and you don't address either one of these needs with three picks? You don't address either one? Don't get it. Um, So to me, you know, based on what Gettleman has done by, you know, he brings in – Pat Shermer was a questionable hire who brings in James Betcher, who had no clue how to use, uh, no clue how to use Landon Collins. They ship out the leader of the locker room and snacks Harrison. They get rid of one of the most talented receivers, Odell Beckham. Is he a headache? Sure. But what is he really doing? What's the real problem? I mean, it ain't, it's minor compared to Antonio Brown. I mean, all right, he acted like a dog and peed on the hydrant, but, I mean, you don't trade away talent. And then you (laughs) fail to address the needs. So, listen, I'm done smashing the Giants. Uh, To me, they obviously fall under the category of loser. Uh, Dustin, who else, in your opinion, uh, came out on the wrong end of the stick last night? You know, I think – Miami kind of made a head-scratching thing to let Haskins get by them because I'm looking at their depth chart, and they don't have Tannehill anymore. Like, what what do they have? They have Rudock. Am I right see their depth chart and see Rudock and some other backup? Like, that's all they have, right? Is it and Ryan let Fitzpatrick Haskins... there? Who, is oh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. There we go. But still, okay, okay. Even if you have Fitzpatrick, a known journeyman, who is not a long-term option, he might not even be a one-year option because you know, we know who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. And if you have that guy, though, in the, you know, in the building that's a veteran journeyman who's done it all, he's a perfect mentor for a young quarterback coming in. And they need their future. They need their future guy soon, now. And, you know, I had a buddy who's a diehard Miami fan, and he was texting me saying, like, I can't believe Haskins has fallen to us. I can't believe this is going to happen. And sure enough, Miami goes ahead and, calls Christian Wilkins' name, which is cool. I mean, Wilkins is a great player. He's going to be, you know, he's going to fit well into their 43 scheme, but they're stuck with Fitzpatrick. And I just, you know, it, it seems small, like, when well, they let one guy get past him, but I just felt like Haskins should have and could have been their guy. And now I have no clue what Miami is thinking for their, you know, for their franchise in the future moving ahead. Well, you know, I have to imagine here on day two they got to pull the trigger on some kind of body just to come in and compete because we all know the Fitz Magic doesn't make no, it four like games. Two games yeah. <laughs> and then right. the Magic Carpet yeah. rides out. And, so you know, uh, September. 
yeah, right. Yeah, you know, he's great for leading the league in passing that first month of the season. But uh, you know, in addition, he's been eating a lot of birthday cake, as he will uh, be the first to tell you. So, um, <laughs> you know, the Dolphins now they pick again at number forty-eight. Um, I actually have Drew Locke now sliding down to the Broncos at forty-one, which I think is a dream scenario for them. Um, you know, maybe the Raiders at 35 is a possibility, but I think otherwise, you know, the, the Broncos are going to watch Drew Locke. You know, I would imagine they were kind of thinking about Locke at 10, Joe. They traded down uh, to 20 and nabbed a Noah Fant. Um, before we get to your losers, your thoughts on Drew Locke to the Broncos at 41. You like that? Uh, I'm a lot uh, better with it than at 10, which is what I feared. And in my final mock, I just had to put it there because I'm looking at who they met with. It was basically the Devons, uh, all the quarterbacks, and God, I forget, it may have been one wide receiver. It was Fant. That's it. The quarterbacks, Fant, Lindstrom, and Oliver. That's that's the Broncos meetings. And uh, of all those players, if I could handpick, they would have been Fant. So, I mean, I'm really happy with that and just happy that they traded down and out and it shows not like you know a, a flash of brilliance i think it's just a slight wave of competency by john elway here that maybe we could just get the guy we want trade down and then get a real special player to add to our offense that we just don't have uh hope he wears 84 homage to shannon sharp we'll see numbers not hey now, hey now, hey now. but uh i mean if it gets and you know nflshop.com i'm not giving you a free plug for nothing but uh i'm typing that noah fant jersey in uh, uh very soon uh but big fan no, of what thought, they, uh, we're able to do there yeah no i thought elway actually made a great move there moving back you know he dropped back 10 spots and he only picked up a second round pick but if you told me that they stayed at 10 and took Noah Fan, I would have told you it was a good pick. So they accumulated right. another one. I thought Chris, Chris Ballard is another one. He keeps maneuvering. Uh, the Colts are lined up now for three picks here in the second round. I actually have them taking A.J. Brown at 34, um, Juan Thornhill at 46, and then uh, they have a third pick at 59, Voshan Joseph. Slide him in between – Darius Leonard and Justin Houston. Tell me how that linebacker and corpse looks like. Um, so I thought the Broncos and Colts were two of my biggest winners. I don't want to get too far in front. Let's keep it with the losers, Joe. Who's on the wrong end of the stick? Oh, real quick. Devin Bush's Taylor. That stupid shoulder harness suit was ridiculous. Whoever made that suit should be drug out on the street and just beaten to death. Come on now. And then Josh Rosen's future, where are we at with our boy? You're going to tell me. the Basically, the Giants are saying Daniel Jones greater than Josh Rosen in a simple formula, and I don't understand that for the life of me. Uh, but as far as teams... Saints, New Orleans Saints, y'all didn't make a pick. How's that Marcus Davenport trade working out for you now? I'd rather have Sweat. Uh, you could have had Burns for a slight trade up this year. Now, Cleveland Farrell apparently was very expensive this year. We didn't see that coming. But uh, throw all the big pass rushers in a bag. Josh Allen, Farrell, Burns, Sweat. I'll take any of them over Davenport. And good job trading away the future for three friggin' spots. And the Packers are still laughing at you, including me. I think, I think you really compromise the future in a big way by forcing an answer in the present. No, Davenport's not a bad player. 
And yes, it did just, it was unfortunate with the injury, I think the thumb and all that. But man, I don't know where I'd have Davenport ranked this year by comparison to what I look at as a quality class. I think just a little bit of lack of foresight by an organization I respect and a coach. I mean, God, Sean Payton, one of the best, man. But damn, that was just a bad move, Bear. Well, let's uh, kick the man while he's down. The Saints won't pick until 62, but I agree with you. Uh, Davenport, probably a, a round two great and uh, how how much difference a year can make since you mentioned Cleveland Farrell uh, at number four to the Raiders to me I thought that was probably the most eye-raising selection Joe is that the biggest surprise for you mm-hmm. well I had Cleveland Farrell as my number six overall player so to me I'm just sitting there the Raiders a Mayock good one on you yeah, great minds think alike. All right. Uh, hey Justin, <laughs> did you think it was a bit surprising? If not, what was the biggest surprise of the night? No, my jaw dropped when I heard Goodell mis, you know, mispronounce his entire name, but I knew who he was trying to call up to the podium, and I couldn't believe it for a second because, uh, I, mean, I mean, like Joe said, Farrell's a good player, but at no point did he on tape or in the pre-draft process do anything. I mean, it's not like he tested like a freak. It's not like he did anything crazy. He kind of did the opposite. He had to not do a bunch of tests at the Clemson pro day. And he's just not that freaky of a dude on tape. There's no way to go off of anything he's done. And this guy's worth a top 10 pick in my opinion, Um, especially at number four, when you have burns on the board, you have sweat. You have all these other pass rushers that are, you know, I'd say more dynamic. Even Rashawn Gary is a guy who, with those traits and that size, I think he's just all around better than Farrell. And for them to reach that high for a guy that I think they could have gotten a lot later, that was pretty mind-blowing to me. Um, Another huge surprise for me was no Greedy and no Metcalf. I tweeted out last night, like, what what has this happened where two guys key positions with – huge height, weight, speed, freakish numbers, and, you know, everything. Somehow teams are looking at them and looking at all these things that they usually, you know, cherish. I mean, when you see a guy that big like Metcalf run the way he did and have the physical tools he did, what teams usually pass on guys like that? I mean, we've seen Brashad Perryman taken in the first round, Darius Hayward Bay. Somehow Metcalf slips out. I'm not saying I disagree with it. I didn't think Metcalf was this elite prospect that some build him as, but I didn't think there was any chance in hell he was going to, you know, drop out of the first round. So that really uh, kind of shocked me. I, when the Patriots came up, I kind of thought receiver might be their thing, but I don't know if I expected it to not be Metcalf just based on, you know, how do you pass on a guy like that? No, no doubt about it. And, you know, I had Metcalf going in the first round to the Seahawks. Now my round two mock, I have him still going to the Seahawks, but at 37, so I think they would have to consider him there. Um, but a lot of these guys, I think, in some way, shape, or form, Byron Murphy is a little bit surprising. I have him going 36 to the 49ers. Um, again, this is a mock draft that will be up on NFLDraftScout.com. Grady Williams, it's hard to imagine. He gets very far, 35 to the Raiders. As I mentioned, the Colts, 34, A.J. Brown. And then surprisingly, but maybe not, because we did talk about the medical issues with Jawan Taylor a lot of people had him pegged inside the top 10. He slides out of the first round entirely due to knee and back issues. Uh, I have him coming off as the first pick of round two to, to add protection there for Kyler Murray. 
Um, however, if the medical is worse than we thought, then he could, who knows how far he slides. But uh, maybe Cody Ford goes ahead of him on day two. Um, Rick, Joe, and Justin here breaking it down for the draft reaction show uh, Friday, April the 26th, 2019. Destination Nashville, day one in the books. Day two, tap. We'll talk about some best available players and what could possibly happen, but let's spend some time on some winners. We're walk, working backwards here today. Uh, I'll go over to you, Justin. Uh, who are some of your day one winners? Man, Green Bay hyped me up with those two picks that they got yeah. Sean Gary and Darnell Savage. I mean, Savage was our boy all year long. Well, not all year for me, but definitely after the season and starting to really study him. And at the Combine, I know you guys were super psyched about him. And I got on board eventually, too. And just watching Green Bay add some, you know, real speed onto that defense and guys who just can play the game of football at a high level and quickly and whatever, violently, I, it, that was exciting for me to see because um, I think that defense has kind of lacked some dynamicism in years past. They kind of just look stagnant, and they kind of just, you know, they might do some complex things and make it look cool, but they're a little vanilla. Um, but Gary adds some versatility, Savage adds some versatility, and they do it with, you know, guys that have high traits, um, high-level traits. And then Carolina, just sitting, waiting patiently, getting Burns at 16. I think Burns was the best pass rusher in this class. Oh, other yeah. Than Posa. yeah. And, I mean, I, I couldn't believe how far he was falling. And then Carolina's just sitting there, you know, twiddling their thumbs like, wait, Burns is here? Like, you know they ran to the podium to get him. He's a little smaller than probably they would like in that 4-3 scheme. But, I mean, that dude's a stud. If anyone has potential that can be close to Von Miller, or, you know, he's getting compared to Javon Curse, that makes sense. Burns is an absolute freak in the way he tested and the, the way he did at his size, gaining that weight and coming to the combine at 250 and still testing and moving the way he did. I mean, Carolina, player available, and it's, it was a good player. No, I thought, you know, in, in in the first half of the first round in that top 16 there between the Panthers having Burns slide to them and then the Bills just sitting pretty watching Ed Oliver be on the board, I thought those two teams benefited the most uh, by doing nothing. Like you said, I mean, they just, oh, Ed Oliver's here at nine? Well, like, never mind cartwheels. Let me do backflips to the podium. Um, <laughs> but, no, I agree. I mean, Burns was probably the best-case scenario, as I wrote in my recap analysis uh best case scenario because you know it, it's team need meets best available player and uh joe i'll let you react to justin's picks and then get, hit us with your winners i thought the one interesting thing i agree with green bay but i thought it was interesting and i don't think it was by accident okay when green bay turned in the card um rashawn gary was announced as a linebacker so I thought that was really intriguing. But I agree with Justin. I think the duo of Gary and Savage gives that defense a much-needed boost. Oh, I mean, I think Mike Pettin is a big winner here because uh, he, he just got two major weapons there, uh, just two guys with suddenness. And that's what I agree with Justin. They just lack any kind of twitch on that side of the ball right now. It's uh, they, they really need some fangs. So I, I agree with Greg. And he stole one from me from Carolina. You're getting, uh, I think he was my number four overall player, uh, Burnsy, just by sitting there and let him fall in your lap. So that's, yeah, that's good eats. Um, I think the clear winner is Matt Ryan's back. 
the Falcons did exactly what Matt Ryan wanted. It's it's like you wonder who's running teams anymore. Like Ben Roethlisberger is definitely running the Steelers. I, I think Phil Rivers <laughs> is running the Chargers, and now we I know Matt Russell Ryan Wilson. is running. Oh, you got Wait, that right Russell now. Russell yeah, he Wilson just took control. <laughs> He just shifted over power control over Pete Carroll. But, like, Matt Ryan, you look at their last drafts. It's like, oh, we'll bring you Calvin Ridley, Matt. Now we'll have – looks, I can't get a pass off. Okay, here's two first-round linemen. Now the Falcons have five first-rounders on that line. If you count uh, Jake Matthews, Carpenter was a Seahawks first-rounder, I believe. And then, of course, Alex Mack, the Kanga All-Kings. Um, I think uh, that 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 is. Some people will look at it as overspending by Atlanta, but they're ready to do some shootouts. They're ready to get their defenders healthy and make a run for now. I think that's what they definitely need. Um, I I like what the Bengals did. Some people criticize that after sinking some money into into uh, tackle already, but I mean, let's make it a strength. What was once a weakness. I I love teams that do that. It's like, no, we're just going to throw all our assets in one position and make sure we don't suck there. And I think Jonah Williams is, is going to be, I'm not saying he's going to be Andrew Whitworth, but he's at least an answer or a solution to something that's been a problem. And then I think uh, Derek Carr won. That's for sure. The, the the Raiders didn't take a quarterback, so uh, he's probably smiling ear to ear. And then uh, just to close it out, cornball style, y'all, Nashville. I was just had the live feed up while I'm doing radio hits, trying to get work done, and that city was lit. I mean, hours before the draft, the streets are packed. I'm looking down. You can see a mile down broad. It's wall to wall. The rooftops. I mean, they're partying on rooftops all the way down broad, and the draft hadn't even started yet. That city repped hard. Uh, the rain couldn't stop that party. Uh, that looked uh, pretty awesome. So they, they definitely get a ton of credit. And, um, yeah, like I said, there's two quarterbacks that won, Matt Ryan and Derek Carr, last night. Well, a couple things. The crowd definitely came out. Uh, Roger Goodell said over 200,000 people attended the draft yesterday. Um, however, I will say, just looking at the crowd compared to Philly, they definitely had the numbers, but I, I just don't think it was as a, a lively bunch. They were just kind of just standing around where, you know, Philly, <laughs> those fans were just kind of disruptive the whole time. Um, so, no, shout out to Nashville, man. It's great to watch the draft grow and, and, and become a bigger, better event. Since you mentioned the Raiders and they did have three picks, Joe, I mean, were you? I, I, I guess I, I can justify the picks. I'm not sure. I, I was a little disappointed, to be honest. Uh, you know, I know you liked their first pick. Um, you know, the second pick there with, uh, what, what was it, Josh Jacobs? I, I, I get it. I understand it. I would not have taken a running back uh, personally uh, in the first round, but they could have had guys uh, like even Amante Sweat was still there. And then they come back and get the uh, the safety. And it's no secret that uh, Gruden wanted his hard hitting physical safety, so he got that. And Jonathan Abram, were you were you on board? How did Mayock and Gruden and company do with their first draft? I'm not as as like a huge fan. I'm not floored, but I think they got three solid players. They definitely got guys that you're going to change a culture. That's changing the culture. Abram's a lifer. Like, it, it just means something to him. You guys know how passionate Josh Jacobs plays. And then Farrell, that's what, uh, one of nine siblings? He's from a military family, lost his father. I mean, this, this, this class is mature. 
I think that's what they're trying to do is change the building, change the vibe. So in that respect, I believe, yes, they overspent on Farrell. I, I agree with that. And I'm not calling the Raiders winners, but I would have to just work it back. If you're David Carr watching the draft last night, you're a winner because you're still the quarterback this team and you get to keep that contract. Like, I think that's definitely what I want to leave with that. But uh, I, I don't I don't think they got a bad haul at all, especially, like I said, when you're just, like, uh, you don't like the temperature in the building, you don't like where it's at, like you're wanting to really bring in some character. I think they, they got three of those guys that have character in space. Let's print up the T-shirts t- right now. Change the thermostat. Change the thermostat. Here we go. <laughs> hey, print them up. Uh, Rick Saratella, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, breaking it down, winding it down, just hours away here now till day two kicks off. And uh, like I said, the Colts have three second-round selections, uh, Patriots, Eagles, Chiefs, and Texans, all with two picks in the second round. It's kind of hard to jump ahead and, and forecast round three, but uh, those teams obviously are going to be active early, Justin, who are, in your opinion, some of the best players available on the board? Well, shoot, all the cornerbacks and all the wide receivers, right? <laughs> I mean, we got one of each taken in the first round. That's right, right? We got Marquise Brown, at wide receiver. Unreal. Oh, and yeah. Nico Harry. Nico Harry got, taken, got taken by the Patriots. So we got two receivers off the board and only one corner. And I don't think that corner was really expected to be the first one. So all the corners we expected in the first round, Greedy, what Rocky is in, uh, Byron Murphy, all of those guys are sitting pretty for the second round. I mean, the Colts could really, with their picks, get three year one starters. They could get guys that are going to come in and absolutely be high-level NFL players. Um, and I think, you know, D.K. Metcalf is there. A.J. Brown is there. All the receivers are sitting there. Are we going to have a huge run at corner and wide receiver? Because I kind of think so. I think this is the point when teams really realize, like, all these guys made it. Like, now is the point when you can't sit around any longer. Um, I do think Drew Locke has to come off the board soon. Like, you know, there's only so many teams that can pass up on a kid with that size and that arm talent, especially when he was predicted to go in likely the top ten. And Denver kind of screwed that up, trading back, and then no one decided to take a flyer on him. Um, All the the safeties that weren't taken, I mean, I think a lot of us expected Deontay Thompson. Uh, Adderley, Gardner Johnson, all of those guys are sitting there in the second round as well. And I think those are high-level NFL starters. Taylor Rapp. Um, and then some of the offensive tackles we talked about, you and I both thought Greg Little would probably go in the first round. Um, super athletic, SEC pedigree offensive tackle. Uh, I think he plays a little soft. He plays a little, with a little less you know, nasty demeanor than you'd like to see, especially coming from the SEC. But, I mean, the traits and the tools – are off the charts. I think his tape was still better than Colton Millis from last year. So if you put that in perspective, I mean, some team is getting a big steal with Greg Little. Um, I, I, there's just the second round. I think is where it's at. I think the first round was a little anticlimactic for me, but the second round is where we're going to see like all these players we loved and really expected to go higher are just going to start flying off the board. And this is the beef of the draft where the teams start stockpiling starters, especially the Colts. I'm so excited for Ballard and what he's doing with you know, their roster and that culture. They have Deion Kane coming back next year. They have good offensive line, finally. Um, they have explosive running backs with uh, the kid from NC State and Marlon Mack last year. So, I mean, they could really – this roster has been overhauled in a matter of a year or two, and, I mean, they're just going to add on to it, 
and get younger and more dynamic, and I can't wait to see it. That is the voice of Justin Gamble. You can follow him on Twitter, at Gamscouts. Of course, we've been featuring members of the NFL Draft Bible Familia all week long. If you've been tuning into the podcast, we've been having everybody sharing a a Draft Bible memory. So, Justin, I'm not going to let you escape without sharing a a go down memory lane, stroll down memory lane, and share a Draft Bible story with us. I'll come back to you for that. Uh, Over to Joe first as we wrap things up here. I think Justin hit the nail on the head. There's going to be a run. I had 16... 16 corners and 15 wide receivers in my top 100. So I think there's going to be a big run on corners, big run on wideouts, and then, like he said, big run on safeties here in the second round. Joe, who are uh, the top players on your board? Most definitely. I think there's three safeties I thought uh, uh, had a chance there. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Juan Thornhill, Adderley. uh, And I'm surprised Eric McCoy didn't go. I had him as a Fringe first, um, and then uh, where, where is Juwan Taylor with this medical? Maybe he's just off the board completely. If he doesn't go top 100, wow, what a scary tumble that is. But um, pretty much a lot of the names you guys talked about, um, Cody Ford, that's another head scratcher there. Uh, I did hit my lineman, though, by the way. Six offensive linemen. I, I was, was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> I know you guys are hey. curious. Uh, that propped it, and I hope you all went to the books on under 17-and-a-half offensive players because it wasn't even close. There were 13 offensive oh, players. Wow. It was wow. 13. Yeah, so we had it We had it way within that. Uh, I think that was the easiest prop of the night. But the theme for today, gentlemen, and an homage to draft day of Kevin Costner, Terry McLaurin, no matter what. We need to come away. If I'm a GM, I need to come away from this, this day with my boy, Terry McLaurin. I think that's uh, one of the players I, I want to come away with third round, uh, second I don't care. Just day two. I, I want him in there more for uh, validation, I think, for the Bible. Uh, that's a player we've been yeah. real high on. I'd like to see him come off the board today at some point. That would really be uh, I may just uh, open up a little bottle of the McAllen for that. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see our guy Isabella sneak in there, but you know what? I think the the corners and the wideouts were were penalized in this year's draft because of the depth. Teams just kind of felt like, hey, you know what, we can sit back and wait. And they turned out to be right, so it'll be very interesting. I think you'll see a lot of wheeling and dealing here on day two. Um, wrapping it up with a final shot, final uh, – uh, parting shot from Justin on today's show, and, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a new podcast before the day three shenanigans kick in. Uh, but, Justin, you know, we've had Chris and, and, and Bo and Joe and myself. We've all shared a draft Bible story on the podcast throughout the week. We conclude our 18th draft cycle, and we've already turned the page and steered ahead to the 19th uh, draft cycle we'll be covering for the 2020 draft. But give us a quick uh, story if you can. And, again, the uh, the emphasis here is make sure we're all still employable after the story. <laughs> uh, we're, we're an iffy crew as it is, man. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I think you, the, the thing I, I remember most, and it always kind of stands out when we all get together and talk ball, is uh, the year that Deshaun Watson – through that game-winning touchdown 
um, to beat Alabama in the national championship the second year when they rematched. But I just remember being in Texas with everybody, and we were in that hotel room. And throughout the game, I mean, end of the game hits, and we look at the whiskey bottle, and it's completely gone. And it's you, me, and Joe. and Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we're sitting there like, what did we do with all that? And, you know, next thing you know, we're up till 4 or 5 in the morning just talking football and screaming at each other. And I remember Sam, I think, had to come out of the hotel room like, hey, everyone shut up. (laughs) And that's that's just our crew, man. Just, you know, that's down what we do. Yep. Talking ball and, you know, next thing. I mean, I think we even looked at our notes the next day and they were actually pretty legible. We had some good things that we put on paper. So, uh, <laughs> they can't. Well, when you say, when no you say we were yelling at each other, I think it was Joe <laughs> screaming at us that Deshaun Watson's a franchise quarterback. <laughs> I'm telling y'all. Banging the table. There's a dent left in that table. <laughs> no doubt about it well we'll end it on that one we'll end it out with a bang and uh again shout out to justin gamble at gam scout make sure you go follow him joe w everett on twitter of course we'll be uh covering it balls to the wall style at nfl draft bible until tomorrow everybody just keep it locked on the nfl draftscout.com for all of our analysis leading up to the start of day two and then again follow us on social media throughout day three and uh you know we'll be popping on some radio spots as well so we appreciate everybody tuning in if you didn't download the draft bible go to nfl right now in the menu bar download that 2019 draft guide we'll catch it tomorrow everybody The Rick and Joe NFL Draft Show, powered by NFLDraftScout.com.